As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am a stuffed-up Sam Stasekel. Uh... Joined as always by Paul Tenorio. Paul, the allergies are killing me this morning, and I'm going to toss this thing to you here in a moment. But first, I wanted to give a quick rundown. We've got a good show today. We're talking on a Friday morning instead of a Thursday night, and I'm glad we waited because we have the Brendan Aronson transfer from the Philadelphia Union to Salzburg has become official. We're going to talk about some stuff going on in Orlando and some fun best worst things around MLS and I'm going to get out of the way because I can't stand the sound of my own voice. So I can't even imagine what it's like to listen to on a podcast right now with all this congestion going on. So please, Paul, save us all. All right, Sam. Happy to step in here to the hosting duties. And we, we're going to start with Brendan Aronson. I think it's an important transfer for Major League Soccer. We want to concede, see these continued sales of domestic products overseas. And, and this is a substantial one. Um, it's it's substantial because of the money involved, as reported by Jonathan Tannenwald uh, of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Brendan Aronson is being sold for $6 million with incentives that can take that number up to $9 million and a 10 to 20% sell-on fee for Brendan Aronson to Red Bull Salzburg. So this isn't... Uh, this isn't joke money. This is real money going for Brendan Aronson. It's a substantial return on investment for the Philadelphia Union. Um, I, I think certainly it shows how serious Red Bull Salzburg is about Brendan Aronson's talent and the amount of money um, or amount of interest rather that was out there for Brendan Aronson on the transfer market. Um, but certainly the Philadelphia Union have a, a proof of concept here, right? They, they've invested heavily in their academy. They produced a number of homegrown players who are, are contributing to the first team. And now they have the sale of a homegrown player of which they'll keep 100% of the transfer fee. That really shows that it's there is real value in investing in domestic talent. Um, so a, a big transfer here, Sam. What are your thoughts on, on Brendan Aronson on the fee that Philadelphia brought in? I think it's uh, I think it's really solid. I think it's something that the club and the league should be proud of. Um, I also think it's like appropriate 
you know i've seen some reaction on twitter that's kind of all over the place like oh my god that is so low and i've seen like hey this is actually like a proper evaluation of an american player and and i kind of agree with that i think their potential for there is aronson to grow into that significantly uh, but i think at this point in his career 19 years old um you know has been good but hasn't like filled up the stat sheet for a player playing in the position that he plays in. Um, so I think it's really appropriate and I think it's savvy and it shows understanding on the part of the union, uh, which makes sense. Ernst Tanner comes from Salzburg. Uh, he worked there for a number of years before he joined the union as sporting director a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think it's really positive and I think it's a model for other MLS clubs to follow. Uh, we talked about this a lot recently with Reggie Cannon's deal, right? in terms of MLS teams needing to be willing to accept the proper prices for these guys. Um, in some cases, lower prices than they want. Um, and, you know, I think this is an example of MLS teams really just like behaving appropriately in the marketplace. And so I think that's a positive. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the destination, right? Salzburg plays in the Austrian league. They dominate it. Uh, Jesse Marsh is the head coach, American, of course, uh, but not the biggest club, right? Not the biggest league, not the most competitive, all of that stuff. Uh, that being said, I think it's really a perfect spot for Aronson. Salzburg is kind of the club of the moment in terms of turning around and selling players to bigger teams. You know, Erling Haaland being the, the most recent shining example. Uh, so I think that's, a, you know, people are going to be looking at Salzburg for for players to buy bigger clubs and before then Aronson will be able to go in with an American coach in a playing system he's familiar with and in a league that's that's competitive but but not so much more competitive than MLS that he won't be able to play um so he'll be able to get minutes I think this is just a really good move on pretty much every level yeah I agree I mean I think it's easy to um much easier to sell a player like Brendan Aronson when the valuation does come in accurately the way it did here in the sale I think six million is fair nine million is more than fair if Brendan Aronson reaches those incentives and you know as you were talking about Sam going to Red Bull Salzburg is going into the shop window right away for bigger clubs uh, this is the second consecutive year in which Salzburg has played in the Champions reached the Champions League group stage. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're starting to put themselves in the conversation with the bigger clubs. They're playing against the bigger clubs. We saw the result of, um, of playing in the Champions League with two, two sales. Holland, obviously being the biggest, as you mentioned, Minamino. Uh, played against Liverpool and then was purchased by Liverpool for well below what his value was because um, he had a, a, he had a, a buyout. buyout clause. Yeah, he had a set buyout clause. But, you know, that's an example of what Champions League can do for your value. And I think that also brings into play that 10 to 20 percent sell on fee for Philadelphia. I mean, that should come into play if all goes well for Brendan Aronson. And, you know, if you're if you're being sold for nine million, six to nine million now and you hope to fetch you know, somewhere closer to 15 million or more in the next sale, you're talking about another million and a half to, to $2 million coming in uh, if you're the Philadelphia Union down the road. So um, really, really smart sale by Philadelphia. I agree with you in that every party should be happy about what's happening here. The opportunity for Brendan Aronson is a really good one. Um, certainly, it puts him in the mix, I think, for immediate um, 
you know, conversation of what, what this is going to do for his national team role as well, because now he's going to be playing at a higher level of competition and starting day in, day out. Is, um, is the Austrian Bundesliga a higher comp- level of competition? Well, that, that's a good, I, I do think, look, I think that in speaking with Jesse Marsh when I was in Salzburg, he feels that, um, the top two or three teams in Austria are comparable to MLS teams. Um, the rest of the league, I think, is a drop off comparatively. Um, but you are going to be playing in Champions League and Europa League games, um, which is incredibly valuable competition. And you still do have good games in the Austrian league. You're training at a, a, a higher level. Um, Salzburg definitely spends significantly more than anyone else in the Austrian league. And their roster shows it. They have a lot of really, really highly thought of players on that team. Um, an expectation to sell those players in the market. I think all of that will lift Brendan Aronson's level. Um, and I do think that the Austrian Bundesliga is comparable to Major League Soccer for the most part. And, and you're probably getting some higher level games as well um, to, to consider that too. So uh, it's a good landing spot for Brendan Aronson. I, again, I think it puts him in the mix with uh, – he was already in the mix with the national team. Yeah, but, that was, that was you know, I, I think it, it keeps him very much in the conversation for 2022 qualifiers. And, and hopefully he becomes the next American – um, to join this core of players who are thriving in Europe. Yeah, and I actually meant to read this quote from Aronson in my last answer there, but he, he said that he wanted to go to a club that he could develop more at and get stronger as a player and where I think I'm going to be challenged, and I think Salzburg was that perfect place for me. I wanted to go somewhere and have more of a chance of playing than to go to some big team in Europe. I wouldn't want to make that jump quite yet because I want to go somewhere where I think I can start and play more. And I think that's really important and just speaks to a lot of what we've been speaking to here these last few minutes. Uh, Paul, you know, you mentioned kind of you've been talking about proof of concept and all of that stuff. Who do you think is next for MLS here in terms of homegrowns that could make this jump or not homegrowns either? Well, I think there's a, a few different potential options. First, Mark McKenzie um, staying in Philadelphia, I think, is going to be a player who is sold um, sooner than later. Uh, certainly there's been interest in him overseas. Um, I actually think somebody who just recently broke onto the scene is going to start getting some attention very soon. Caden Clark with the New York Red Bulls. Um, already some buzz about him in Europe. He's only made two appearances for the Red Bulls. He scored two goals in those two appearances. Um, I think Caden Clark is a name to absolutely, um, keep our eye on when it comes to the European market, uh, for sure. Um, so those are two names that immediately come to mind. I, I, I'd go over to DC United as well. Um, you know, I think there's going to be interest in, in, in Moses Nyman and um, Kevin Paredes as they play more. Um, and then the last name I'd say is John Luca Busio. Uh, that's, that's another name I think will, will continue to generate interest abroad. Am I missing anyone, Sam? Uh, Brian Rodriguez, yes. but, you know, he's not the home ground, so different. Sure, sure. Sorry. I, I was sticking in the domestic homegrown territory <laughs> there. But yes, Brian no, Rodriguez. Is, I think he's gone this winter for whatever that's worth. Especially if he keeps starting for Uruguay. Yeah, absolutely. We know the interest has been there. And, and as he plays in World Cup qualifiers, that's only going to go up. And the and LAFC is certainly hoping it's only going to increase his transfer value, um, no matter how well or not well he plays in MLS compared to what he's doing with the national team. Um, all right, let's pivot. Let's move away from the transfer market and Brendan Aronson going to Salzburg. 
Um, some big news broke uh, last night on Twitter. It's a story that Sam and I, and actually they allude to this in the story that it's it's uh, the the worst kept secret on the sports business um, circuit. But Orlando City SC is nearing the final stages of a sale to an unknown buyer, according to Sports Business Journal. Mark Burns reporting last night. Um, you know, this is a story that a lot of people have been chasing for a while. A story that um, has been. Us included. Us included <laughs> that has been denied at certain times that there's been any conversations when every other indication is that there have been conversations. Um, this is an important story. Uh, I think there were a few elements of the story last night that are worth pointing out and talking about. I think the first being that um, it actually says here that Flavio Augusto da Silva, the owner of Orlando City, you know, purchased Orlando City as a business transaction, um, that he wasn't really interested in staying in Major League Soccer for the long term. Um, he paid a $70 million expansion fee with Orlando City. He paid um, privately financed uh, a stadium downtown Orlando, and now he's looking to cash in on that investment. Um, you know, we know that when he sold a minority stake last year, or in 2018, rather, uh, the valuation was around $500 million dollars. Um, when we had Sam and I had spoken to sources last year about this, we knew that Orlando City was looking to go above 500 million for a sale of the club um, and weren't really interested in numbers that were coming in below that. Um, so it gives you an idea of what Orlando City certainly thinks about its property. I don't know whether they'll reach that 500 million dollar number. I think that's a pretty high valuation, especially when you consider, what the Chicago Fire was sold for just last year, I believe that evaluation that valuation came in around three hundred and fifty million. Sam, lots different purchase, though. Um, but a lot a different lot. purchase. There's a stadium involved here. There's a new Wait, training facility involved here. I, I'm not sure the women's in the does USL Fla- team at a, at a bunch. Yeah, they they do uh, own the women's team as well. But Sam, your thoughts, I guess, first on where you think this valuation will fall, um, and what this means for MLS to have two franchises for sale right now in major league soccer two that we know of right or three really he's dynabar shopping around as well um in addition to real salt lake uh in terms of where it falls uh probably somewhere in the 400 to 500 if i had to guess um maybe 450 something like that that seems i mean reasonable is a weird word to say when you're talking about 450 million (laughs) dollars for a team in a league that you know, doesn't have a huge level of popularity. Uh, but I, I think given the real estate involved, given the potential other assets at play, I think that that is probably something that we could see. And I don't think Augusto da Silva would, would sell for much less than that. Right. So if he's, if he is closing a deal, then I think it's probably around that, that number. I do think it's interesting in a broader context of why MLS owners are looking to sell now. Right. And there's a lot going on in the world. And maybe this is a situation where other businesses are being hit by COVID and they could use some cash and all of that stuff. Uh, but MLS is on the rise in the minds of these billionaires essentially right now, but they have some potentially risky inflection points coming. We talk about the TV deal all the time, right? But if that comes through and it's not what they want in terms of a number, well then maybe MLS starts to become less attractive for potential buyers, right? The 2026 world cup, Again, another massive inflection point. I don't think anyone's arguing that that tournament will be a huge success in the U.S. and Canada and in Mexico and wildly popular. But if that success doesn't translate to MLS, 
then again, maybe the league becomes a little bit less attractive for potential investors. Maybe those things work great and it becomes even more attractive, right? But there are a couple of sort of tipping points that we're approaching. And so maybe some owners are looking at those and saying, all right, I'm going to get out while the getting is for sure good um, and do it right now. Costs, of course, are ballooning too for these MLS teams. It's a lot more expensive to run a team now than it was five, ten years ago. Well, I would also point out that COVID happened. And I think that we know that this coronavirus pandemic across the world has impacted businesses outside of sports as well as the sporting business. And so I think that there is a potential that an owner like Flavio Augusta de Silva is up against it a little bit more than he would have been financially. That's I wouldn't be surprised considering that the 200 and uh, sorry, the $450 million valuation um, came in in 2018 or that the $350 million sale of the Chicago fire happened last year pre pandemic. If the price for Orlando city or an MLS franchise has gone down um, because you know, owners may be looking to sell, right? They're in a market where they, they need the, the capital. Um, I don't know that that's the case for sure, but I think it's certainly something that's worth discussing. Um, and certainly might be a reason why an owner in Orlando and in Houston, two owners who are not billionaires, who are not keeping up with, you know, Arthur Blank and LAFC ownership groups are maybe a little bit uh, more cash strapped than they would be. And so we have to weigh that possibility as well. I agree with you, certainly, when you start looking down the road and there are these big question marks. What will the TV deal look like? What will the World Cup do? Um, you know, those are probably positive spins right now. But when we hit reality, you know, they may not be as positive as, as people are projecting. So, yeah, they are in this kind of weird sweet spot of, on one hand, post-pandemic where prices and, you know, are dropping around the world. Uh, for different for different things and and where where uh, businesses are being hit pretty hard, um, but also uh, where you know you're talking valuation of an MLS franchise based on two things that haven't happened yet that are going to happen pretty soon. I have a question for you, Paul. Um, you're the Orlando expert on this show. I like to joke about that all the time, but you did cover that team for years and you lived down there, so you are literally the Orlando expert on the show. Um, if Flavio is indeed selling the team. What would you kind of, you know, and you're writing the the piece about his legacy, what would it be? Well, I think first and foremost, Flavio's legacy is putting Orlando City in MLS because it doesn't happen without his money and without his investment. Um, Orlando City and the success of Orlando City in the USL that led to them even having a shot at MLS is is the work of Phil Rollins, who was a brilliant salesman, really, really smart marketing um, guru, really. And what he did to build a brand in Orlando was amazing. But there's no way Phil Rollins gets Orlando City to Major League Soccer without Flavio Augusta da Silva. That's that's just the straight up truth. And so it, it begins there. And that's an important part of the legacy. I think also, you know, we have to talk about um, the decisions that have been made uh, in, in the soccer side of things and the business side of things. Uh, Flavio Augusta da Silva's right-hand man, Alex Leitao, was installed w inside of the franchise um, and, you know, essentially gained more power as time went on. Um, and we've seen the instability that's uh, that has been a hallmark of Orlando City under Leitao's leadership. So there is this kind of dual 
um, narrative where Flavio is, I think, incredibly responsible for the some of the biggest positives around Orlando City, including the stadium, including moving to MLS, um, and and really, really caca for sure. You know, some really positive aspects of their existence. Um, and then also, I think, responsible for the struggles that have occurred on the footballing side. The fact that they've changed coaches so much, the fact of, of who they've changed in and out of the front office, it, you know, when it is your selection to run the franchise, then that is um, ultimately that responsibility falls to you as the owner. So I think that Flavio Augusto de Silva actually had pretty big ambitions for that club was willing to, in order to get that stadium deal done, was willing to take on the the full cost as privately financing the deal. Um, you know, I, there were a lot of real estate wranglings that occurred last minute. He bought more land. Uh, you know, he did work with the city to, to get it done, but got more land acquired a, a, a few blocks further away so that they didn't have to continue haggling and negotiating with a church that didn't want to sell in order to get a stadium built. I mean, he did a lot of positive things, but I, I think I think we can all say um, until this year, the, the footballing side of it has not worked out well. Um, the soccer side has not been has not been great. And I think I think Orlando City has the potential to be Portland Timbers. I wrote that story when I first uh, was working on kind of the transition to Major League Soccer for Orlando City. I went to Portland for the All-Star Game in 2014 and wrote about the similarities of the market, the similarities of the fan base, um, and the support that existed in the city, the, the dynamics of the market. I really believe Orlando City can be one of the most successful clubs in Major League Soccer, and if this new owner comes in and has the money to invest substantially in the first team, um, I, I I really am interested to see where this club goes. Because if they're winning games, man, that's going to be a sold-out stadium every single week. And we already know that the, the Ruckus and the Iron Lion firm um, make it a tough place to play, man. Those are real – they're the closest, in my opinion, fans that MLS has to – to Europe and to some of the work in South America and some of the worst places to go play as a, as a road team. <laughs> yeah. The heat doesn't do any favors on that front either for visitors, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Orlando. Uh, new owners coming in in a lot of places around MLS, you know, you talked about Chicago RSL will have new owners at some point, maybe Houston, maybe Orlando, uh, Columbus are still pretty new. So, um, you know, the landscape of the league is going to continue to change and continue to evolve. And that might sort of tip the, the balance of power among owners, so to speak at some point down the road. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Another thing to keep an eye on is COVID-19. I feel like we've been talking about this for decades now. Um, it's not really a a conversation any of us enjoy, uh, but cases are spiking around the country. Cases are spiking within MLS. Uh, the Colorado Rapids are now have seven games postponed. Uh, the league and the Colorado Department of Health announced what last last weekend um, that the Rapids were going to have their next three games postponed. Uh, that means there are five now uh, that they need to reschedule and no open dates to reschedule any of them. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's only really a matter of time before we see an announcement from the league saying we're going to go to a points per game system 
for playoff qualification, the Rapids could theoretically squeeze one or two of those games in after decision day and before the playoffs start. If they, if the league really wanted that to happen, we'll see if that goes forward. Uh, but there have been other cancellations too. Minnesota is having some issues. Um, they had a couple of players test positive. They've now had two straight games postponed. Um, Orlando and Columbus had a postponement after some crew staffers tested positive. The crew have since returned to play. So so that one seems to have been nipped in the bud, which is good. Um, but this is, of course, a story to follow. Uh, any thoughts, Paul, on, on where this thing is headed, or do you think it's as simple as points per game and taking it from there? Yeah, I think it's going to have to fall to points per game. Um, you know, what's interesting is when you talk to people around the league that um, are trying to figure out what's going to happen, there really is no one knows at this point what's going to happen. And I think that's just the reality of the situation, Sam. We've been talking about it since forever ago, um, and nothing's changed in that sense. It's it's um, very much a read and react situation. You, you've seen it since the bubble, essentially, in that MLS has had to figure out, just like every business and every sports team, what to do as news happens. Um, I do think that it will be too difficult to reschedule all of those games. I do think that there will be a points per game um, scenario. I also think that they will try to reschedule as many of the games as they can in order to decrease, especially for Colorado, the disparity in number of games played um, to try to make that points per game as fair as possible. But, um, you know, Obviously not an ideal situation for MLS, but it kind of fits this season, right? Um, we talked about it. It's a weird year. Um, it's not a competitively balanced year. Everyone's played. I, I think it's like I was talking to somebody the other day. I think LA Galaxy have played as of earlier this week. They had played 11 home games and, you know, Minnesota United had played like three, you know, so it, it's hard to to judge Um kind of the standings right now in a fair way teams um you know it, it's just a weird year sam you say it's hard to judge teams standings players all that is true um but right after this break we're gonna do exactly that this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Thank you to Sam for that lovely throw to break, and thank you to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode of Allocation Disorder. Small businesses have unique needs, and despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. Sam and Paul can attest to that, and I believe are about to discuss the importance of having the right people on your wrong team, and what happens if you have the wrong ones on there. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. We know that with Allocation Disorder, the guys try to make sense of the complicated, sometimes convoluted things that can happen in MLS. LinkedIn makes things that could otherwise be complex and convoluted very much straightforward. It's an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. 
That's a lot of members. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills that you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified members every day so that it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. I know there are, uh, at various times, opportunities with MLS organizations on LinkedIn. You can look there and find out if they if a random club needs a social media manager or maybe a random club needs a manager. I doubt they're putting that one on there. But you never know. Some teams make questionable choices. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just go to linkedin.com slash TSS. Again, that's linkedin.com slash TSS to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you very much to Sam for once again giving me that lovely throw to break. But now back to Paul and Sam. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. We are talking about judging people. That's what we do here in Allocation Disorder, harshly but fairly, judging GMs and players and teams and owners. Um, And Sam, we thought it would be fun to go back through some of the signings and transactions that we've seen this year, looking through some of the rosters and, and saying what's the best we've seen, what's some of the worst we've seen, diagnosing rosters that can be fixed, uh, talking about some rosters that maybe have a little bit more work to do, um, but... I thought the easiest place to start would to look at would be to look at 2020 and say, okay, who was the best international signing in Major League Soccer this year? Um, we'll start there. Sam, I'll let you go first. Who is your best international signing? Taking in taking into play how much money it costs, the production, how they fit in the team, all those things. The best international signing. You know, I was preparing for this and I listed like ten players. Um, you know, I like Orlando's guys, Paul. I really do. Pedro Gaese, Antonio Carlos, the center back, I think has been really good. Uh, Pereira, not technically a signing this offseason. He did join the team late last year. Um, but, you know, for intents and purposes, I think he can be counted for this. I really like that group. Lucas Zellerayan in Columbus has been, has been strong, although he's missed a, a good deal of time here. Uh, Jao Paulo with Seattle think flying under the radar a little bit but i think he's been solid even pablo piatti with toronto same sort of deal a lot of people had big questions about him as a designated player considering his age and injury history but i think he's done pretty well so those are some of the some of the ones that stood out if you made me pick one pick one well i wouldn't pick one i think i would pick those three from orlando is that crazy Give them credit. It's not crazy. I have For a trio. I, I'm going to just hint that I've got Orlando in an answer later in this segment that I think would fit better for a trio of signings. Um, okay. But I get where you're going with it. I, I don't disagree. I think they've all been smart signings. Um, I had a lot of the same names that you did. Uh, Zellerion is on my list. Um, I think the signing of Binks in Montreal and flipping him on a sale is a good bit of business in Montreal. He's done well flipping. That's generous. They I mean, flipped the, him to the club that, that is owned by their owner. Yeah, like, but that's they, taking, that's taking money out of one pocket and giving it, Hey, putting it $750,000 of gam into a pocket. That's not nothing in major league soccer. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. you know, I, I think, um, uh, Pulido in, uh, in Kansas city has been a good signing. And I've got one that's, I think, flying under the radar a little bit, considering that I think most people um, are looking at the roster and the season and saying it's a disappointment. But Lewis Morgan in Miami as a TAM signing, I think, has done 
pretty well. Five goals, six six assists as a as a kind of a low money TAM signing. Um, guy that not a lot of people had expectations about. I think some people thought maybe wouldn't even start when you talk about all the attention that was being paid to the young DPs. Um, I think Miami thought he wouldn't even start. By the way, he, he's done really well. Like, the the fact the fact that he is starting means that the other guys have not really been what the, the, they I thought they were going to be. I don't know. I mean, I think he. I think you know. I don't agree that they didn't see him as a starter, but I think certainly he's been maybe one of their most important starters, and that wasn't uh, really sure. anticipated. And and again, five goals, six assists for a low level TAM signing is is pretty good. It's kind of what you want out of a winger. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so no, I'll, I'll throw that name in there as well. Did um, I mention Jose Martinez from Philly? You didn't the defensive mention him. midfielder. Another good signing. Another a, bu- a budget signing, right? Another another signing that was done yeah, under not the, even. Not even Tam. Yeah, so you got to give credit there. I think Philadelphia basically operates solely that way almost, it seems. Really good, smart signing from Ernst Tanner there. Um, let's flip it now, Sam. This is where we have more fun. It's where we get to bash people. Um, and I think we're probably going to wow. have the same answer for Speak this. For yourself. Worst international signing of this season. Sam, who you got? You know, I wrote down 10 names for the other one, and I was, like, doing research and perusing the transaction lists. I did not do any of that for this answer. It was one name and one name only, and it's a guy who I thought was going to do so well. And I wrote a couple of pieces about how he's going to do so well. And his name is Javier Chicharito Hernandez, and he plays for the LA Galaxy. And he had around a $10 million transfer fee, and he makes, like, $7 million, $6 million a year, I believe, is the reported figure. And he has been atrocious straight up and the galaxy are in last place and they do not score goals when he plays it's remarkable um how bad that has been uh and i think there are going to be some very real consequences for people at the la galaxy because of that yeah he got yanked by scalotto the other day in the 55th minute and when asked about it after the game scalotto said he needed to put in more offense so he took out his dp striker I mean, if that is not an Oof. indictment of a signing, I, and I, I will say this segment, we said, we said it was to bash people. And what I was not revealing was it's to bash ourselves because both of us talked up Chicharito Hernandez in the signing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure the I Chicago Fire. I think to win MLS Cup before the season. I don't even know. I would need to go back and check that. But I think I did that. Oh, you know, and I think like the Chicago Fire front office is probably I hope they send me a card because I was talking about how badly they missed the boat on signing Chicharito. He would have filled the soldier field. He'd be he's going to score all these goals. I put out a (laughs) poll on Twitter. I was boasting. Do you think he'll score more than 12 goals or less than? And I was like, all you idiots that are putting less than 12 goals. Man, I got this one wrong. You put the over under at 12. Yeah, I didn't even put it that high. I would have put it at like 18. You know, it's crazy. (laughs) So, you know, I got it wrong. But you know what's worse is the people who paid him in L.A. got it wrong. And those are the the ones who pay the consequences because they're cutting the checks. So, yeah, not good. I would say a very galaxy move. Let's look at this year. I mean, for Chicharito, he looked overweight at the MLS's back tournament coming out of the COVID break. Not good. Wipe had a child. I went through that last year of uh, my life changing with a with a baby. Easy excuse for slacking off at work for sure. Um, but man, you know he just looks disinterested. He certainly has not been productive. 
and the team doesn't work well with him. The service that he's accustomed to isn't really there. And they've got some pieces. Like, I really like Pavone. I think Pavone's one of the best players in the league. Pavone's a great player. Great he's player. a great player. They've got some decent pieces. They Jonathan love. Dos Santos. Very good player. Chicharito? Sebastian Legit. Not so good. Not so good. So, by far the worst international signing. By far the most disappointing signing. By far the thing that we got most wrong on this show and in our work, I think. Can we pause and just talk about the Galaxy as an organization for a second? This club, since Bruce Arena left, what was it, after the 2016 season, has been really bad. Really, really poor. Um, you know, they missed the playoffs in 2017. Uh, Kurt Anolfo and Pete Vahanas did not last long at all in their jobs replacing Bruce. Ziggy Schmidt came in. Uh, 2018, signs Zlatan, but not a successful season, right? Missed the playoffs again, unless I'm misremembering in this allergy-induced haze. 2019, they made the playoffs, won a game, but what were they, like the fifth seed, I think, in the uh, in the West? Uh, so it's not like it was some smashing success. And then this year has been worse than almost all of those seasons. Uh, this is a club that has the most championships in MLS that spends a ton of money, and these results are pretty unacceptable. And the thing that, that kind of is striking to me is Chris Klein was given a big, long extension in the middle of all of this. He's the president of the Galaxy, for those who don't know, longtime MLS player. Um, and the results have not followed at all. And I think they've made some poor hires. They've certainly made some poor signings. Um, and I think you know a lot more misses than hits. Uh, over these last four or five years for LA. And in the meantime, they've sort of been passed and passed again and maybe even like lapped a little bit by the new team in their own market in LAFC, who, by the way, aren't having the best year of their own, but, you know, are, are a lot better than the Galaxy are. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I would also say Chris Klein is one of the more powerful presidents in Major League Soccer. He sits on the product strategy committee. Uh, which is probably the most influential ownership committee in Major League Soccer. It impacts the product that you see on the field. Um, and yeah, there hasn't been a ton of success. And what's interesting is, Sam, you know, again, I'm going to kind of preview where we're going to go later in this conversation. But I actually think there are some pieces on this roster that are good pieces. And I actually think that this is a roster that is salvageable, Um and I, I really like, I actually think they're, I think their general manager is a really, really good at his job. I think he'll, I think he can do, um, I think they have the right guy to build the roster. Um, so where are other things going wrong? You know, and you, you have to start looking at how are these decisions made for the biggest de- DPs, designated players? You know, are they being made yeah. solely based on soccer? You know, it was Latan no. about soccer, just soccer. No. Was Chicharito about just soccer? No. But you need, if you're going to sign them, you need them to be Zlatan, right? You you can say what you want about Zlatan, but the guy scored like 40-something goals in two he years. He papered over a lot of holes with this team. So a lot of holes, just they, by himself. They need, to, they need to kind of hit the reset button in, in a way. And I think they're going to have some contracts come up this offseason. Some money will get freed up. They'll have some room to make some, some moves. They've got some big decisions to make. Pavone... Do they pick up the option and buy him from Boca? I mean, that um, would be your third DP right there. That's right? So that's a big, have... big decision to make. Um, I'm interested to I mean, see, do they keep the coach? 
right? I think that's the biggest decision is Skamoto around. Surprised. I don't think he is. I don't think he. I don't think he's there next year. I don't. He might not be there next week. Yeah, the way things. Are I agree. Right now they lost six games in a row, four nothing to San Jose the other night. Like he might. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone before the season ends. Just considering what things look like out there, they have too much talent to to be what they are. That being said, I, I don't think Baro Scalotto is the only one to blame here. You know, like you mentioned it with the recruitment strategy. I doubt they get Christian Pavone if he's if GBS is not there, right? And he's their best player, and he's one of the best players in the league. And was he knocking down the door to sign Chicharito? Like, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I would probably lean towards he wasn't. And that was a move that was, you know, it was made for a lot of marketing reasons, right? As well as soccer reasons. I think that's fair to say. And I was the first one on that boat saying this was the MLS white whale and this is a great move for putting butts in seats and he'll score a good amount of goals too. And the butts in seats thing, that's nobody's fault this year, of course. Um, unfortunate effect of COVID, of course. Uh, but he, the goals, I mean, we've covered that already. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Dennis DeClosa. I, I think, I mean, he, you say he's he's the right guy for the job and he's a good GM, and I don't really disagree, but the results haven't been there, right? He hasn't had a ton of time on the, on the job, but the results have not been there. And, you know, he was presumably the one that brought in Baro Scalotto, right? Who has not given them any may, – maybe not. You're making a face at me here. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that, that was a weird coaching search. Um, Dennis DeClosa was, I believe, brought in in the midst of it, right? He was, he was hired – while the coaching search was ongoing at that point in time, Chris Klein was courtside with Caleb Porter. That, that deal was close to being done. And that deal fell apart when Caleb Porter went to Columbus. Um, Scalotto was kind of brought in. He was, a uh, uh, kind of seen as like, Oh, this is a better decision than Caleb Porter with what he had done at Boca. But there were real sure. questions about, um, you know, I know that others who had spoken to Scalotto and, and, and were knowledgeable about Argentina had some questions about, Scalotto's tactical acumen. Um, and he was kind of seen as more of a locker room guy. You know, I, it's just a weird organization in that there are multiple decision makers. And so it's hard to pin who's to blame because there are multiple people making big decisions for the club. Um, and, and that feels like a little bit problematic to me. Um, you know, again, last year was their first time in the playoffs since Bruce Arena left. Um, and then this year they, they regress. So I, I don't know what they do. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them completely cleaning house, but I just don't know where you go from here. If you're the galaxy, right? Like, let's say you fire everybody, uh, top to bottom, you know, who I mean, are the, they're not going to do that. I would be stunned if they did that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I think it's an interesting, it's just a really interesting thing to watch because they are a team that spends a lot of money. Um, they have a, they are a team with the, the best history in major league soccer and they have some good pieces on this roster. So, all right, let's take a break and then we are going to come back with a couple more categories. Uh, we'll focus now domestically in major league soccer when we're back. 
This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. While Paul and Sam take their mid-pod hydration break to regroup, uh, reset, get some tactical instructions, and then come back and finish strong, I will take this opportunity to say that this episode of Allocation Disorder is sponsored by Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. The prevailing approach appears to be to just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, again, if we're Austin Powers, or avoiding it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Uh, with Roman, it is easy to talk about it, and it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. That's ideal. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping also good. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Third good. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash TSS and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. You can complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash TSS today. Uh, if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash TSS. One more time, getroman.com dot com slash tss thank you very much to roman for sponsoring today's episode of allocation disorder looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thank you very much to Credible for sponsoring today's episode of Allocation Disorder. Credible.com is an online marketplace that allows borrowers with student loan debt to see refinancing rates across a variety of lenders. Basically, they've made it easy for anyone with student loan debt to review possible rates, find a lender that works, and refinance those loans to make them more manageable. Some benefits of using Credible to refinance your student loans are that you see actual pre-qualified rates from multiple lenders, whereas with some online marketplaces, you'll get ranges of rates or ballpark estimates. And it only takes a couple of minutes to check rates and checking rates doesn't even impact your credit. You don't want that. You don't want a big credit hit while you're trying to be responsible. They will also never sell your data so you won't receive spam or phone calls from dozens of lenders. You can visit credible.com slash TSS. That's C-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash TSS. S. And when you refinance your student loans via Credible, they'll give you a $200 gift card. Fill in a few pieces of info to check what rates you are eligible for. You can only get this offer through the show's URL. So again, that is Credible.com slash TSS. Finance your student loans and start saving. Message from Credible Operations, Inc. Not available in all states. Terms and conditions apply. Visit Credible.com slash TSS for details. Thank you very much to Credible.com for sponsoring today's episode of Allocation Disorder. Okay, Paul and Sam have hydrated. They've gotten their instructions. They are ready to go. So back to today's episode of Allocation Disorder. 
All right, Sam, we are back. We've talked about the best international signings, the worst international signings. We dug into the LA Galaxy a little bit. Let's go domestic now. Let's talk about the best domestic signing. Uh, that means inside of MLS or the domestic, best domestic acquisition. In, in acquisition. Acquisition. It could be a trade. It could be a free agent. You uh, could be someone you signed from USL. It could be a homegrown player. Sam, what do you have as the best domestic acquisition in Major League Soccer this year? Um, I have a few candidates, but it's hard to sh- to go away from Bradley Wright Phillips, who was picked up late in the game as a free agent. We don't have the salary info, but I doubt he's making too much money. Uh, and he's got eight goals and five assists for LAFC. It has really kind of kept them afloat with Carlos Vela missing pretty much all of this season. Uh, so he's been excellent, and, and he's cheap too so that's that's an important thing for a team that spends a lot of money elsewhere especially when you're thinking of lafc darlington nagby of course jumps off the page uh similar to zellerayon so similar impact for for columbus similar injury absence time for columbus um and they've struggled without those guys so those are two that really jumped out for me uh there are some more but i don't want to name all of them before you get your turn so what do you got well it's too late you already named the two i've got i think those are the two clear best acquisitions domestically in major league soccer i would throw in walker zimmerman too yeah, I, I, I look. They I think a lot for him. I, I picked Nagby. I thought Nagby's had a great impact. He he's helped put together the full transition from Greg Berhalter to Caleb Porter. Um, it's gone really well in Columbus. They've carried over success. They're you know arguably Rough getting better, run. right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I I have Nagby one. I think BWP was a great signing. I I actually I didn't do it on this show. I should have. But in the offseason, I was standing on the table talking about. Uh, one team that I thought would be smart to kind of raid the MLS free agency market and try to find some um, bridges, you know, to, to their roster to make some decisions. I thought BWP was a no-brainer, an absolute no-brainer because he could be signed for cheap and he's been productive in Major League Soccer. He's going to have a reason um, to to want to prove people wrong, and all of that's played out the way we, the way I thought. Um, he signed You're for genius, he signed for less than a third of what he was making in new york um and you know i would also say that do you have a salary number for him i i i yes it's around uh around three hundred thousand in right, salary thanks for not making me do that math Appreciate uh, it. yeah so so look i think um the other thing then to note about bwp and i think speaks to the vision of the lafc front office is what we didn't see partly because of COVID is that, you know, he, he was coming off of an injury. He did have some extensive rehab that he had to go through. And he, by the time he was ready, it was the MLS's back tournament. So they were willing to have BWP come in and rehab and work his way back with no guarantee about what he was going to look like when he got on the field. And it worked out really well. And he's done... um you know, he's produced on a low number and they've really needed a just, striker. Just so. like he always has. He's produced just like he always has, except for 2019 when he was hurt for a bulk of the season. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think he's been excellent. I would throw in Walker Zimmerman, um, Dax McCarty, Annie Balgadoy. I killed that Annie Balgadoy trade. Um, I still think it was a bad trade to pay what they did for him when they could have gotten him for a lot less if they had waited a few months, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, fair play to Nashville. For getting it done um they've been solid defensively and i think it's in large part due to those three guys uh that they've been able to be 
decently competitive, at least in their expansion season without much in the way of attacking help. Other guys, I mean, you know, I don't think it's any great, great shakes here, but Ramel Kyoto and Darwin Quintero have both been pretty productive for their respective teams, Montreal and Houston. Um, neither of those teams are very good. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> you kind of got to look at that full context, but they've both put up decent numbers, at least for their squads. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, an interesting number of, of candidates on that one, but I'm with you. I think it's BWP and, and Nagby. So who's next? All right, let's go next. Sam, the roster, you know, I'm going to skip the category. I, the roster you think is bad, but salvageable. I gave my answer already. I think it's the LA Galaxy. Um, I think what do you have- think about DC United here? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Look, I think DC United and LA are both examples of rosters where I think a change of a voice in the locker room, changing up the, the coach could have an impact to bring more out of some players who are already there um, and to bring new perspective. But I like I like some aspects of DC United's roster. Julian Gressel hasn't worked out yet. He's more of a complimentary player than he is a star, and he's being asked to be the star in DC. I think that can be remedied by bringing in some 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 more I don't even think you really need players. to bring in that many that many guys. You just need to get healthier, right? Flores and Ariola have missed a ton of time this year. And if you bring them back into the fold, Gressel probably looks a lot better right away. Um, you know, they have some decent pieces. They've defended well for years um with the same guys pretty much that they have now. I expect them to rebound without even having to make too many much too many moves in the in the winter. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they've been looking for a center back for a while. We know that. I think they probably will be on the market for a number nine. Um, you know, I know they have Ola Kamara. I don't know if he's a, he's going to be there next year. Or we'll see. But I think that's th- – those are – they're not a lot of moves to make if they get healthy. Well, they they just have the one big one of hiring a coach. But other right. than that, when, when it comes to the roster. Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay, Sam, roster you thought was good but isn't. I mean, I didn't. Good is strong because they have a lot of holes, but the Galaxy, again, um, you know, we haven't mentioned Atlanta in this conversation. Atlanta made a lot of changes, right? Um, so you didn't know exactly what they were going to look like. You didn't know exactly what these new guys were going to be. Um, you know, I, I hadn't watched them before they got to MLS, right? I don't think you had either, Paul. But given their profiles, you expected them to be at least decent now the joseph martinez injury tanked that but pt martinez got sold he wasn't all that productive before he got sold and ezekiel barco is like there is i don't know what's going on with him right now he hasn't played in a long time they say he's day-to-day with injuries but they've been saying that for a couple of weeks and uh, that whole thing is mysterious to me i don't really get what's going on there but it it's not really what they're saying isn't really passing the sniff test. Uh, not that I can smell anything right now anyway, but um, <laughs> I feel like I'm making a lot of jokes. It's just allergies. Don't worry, please. I know my mom is listening to this. Don't worry, mom. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think Atlanta though, um, are kind of near the top of that list. Yeah, for sure. I I've got Atlanta as my pick. Um, we know that they're better than what they're showing, right? Just based on the pedigree of these players, I think do, the, do we know that? Yeah, I think I think they're I think with look, there's one big reason that they're really not as good as they should be, and that's an injury. With Joseph Martinez on the field, but, they're but, a better team. But, but I, but I look at Paul. I thought it was good, but what, again, well, let me get into my answer here. Like, the, you'd expect them might, to be. They might not be any good. 
Sure. And look, I they, they got worse in some areas too, right? Um, they got worse in some areas too. But I thought they were good, right? You'd expect them to be good based on the pedigree, but they're not. These pieces don't fit together. Players aren't performing to the level they should or that you'd expect them to. I think the troubling factor, a troubling fact is that multiple players aren't performing to the level that you'd expect, right? You mentioned two big ones that with, with $30 million of investment behind Barco and Pitti Martinez, and neither of them are performing to the level that you would have, neither of them performed to the level you'd expect. Pitti obviously is gone. Barco is still there. Um, Joseph Martinez not being there hurt a ton. Um, but I just think that that roster, when you looked at the pieces, you were like, oh yeah, this is one of the better rosters in MLS. When you look at them together on the field, they're not. They're not. And and um, they've got some work to do to figure out why it's not working. Um, and, and that's another area where they're hiring a coach. And that hire is going to be a big factor into what this club looks like going forward. Yeah, I mean, you say that they should be better than they are. I'm not sure that that's true. Like, they should be better than they are. But, like, these new guys they've brought in have not been impressive, like, at all, right? And we talk about the pedigree and expecting more, and yes. But, like, in terms of, okay, we're actually seeing them on the field, I'm not sure that they are talented enough to be better than what they are, right? Joseph is a different story. And, like, that's a huge, huge part of this, for sure. But these new guys, Rosetto, Mulraney, um, they don't, I don't know, they don't really do it for me. But um, that's just me. So, yeah, I think Atlanta and the Galaxy. No, no huge surprises in that topic. All right, Sam. We'll we'll wrap it up with this one. Roster you thought was bad, but isn't. FC Cincinnati. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Orlando again, man. Orlando. I didn't give them any credit before the season. I, I think Oscar Pereja is a great coach. He's had success everywhere he's been in MLS. Uh, immediate success everywhere he's been in MLS. So maybe I should have uh, paid a little bit more attention to that. But I thought it would take a, a year or two to kind of get it right in Orlando. And it hasn't. Um, so credit, a ton of credit to him. Credit to Luis Muzi. He's made some good moves. Um, the best of which I think was hiring Pereja, his old colleague from Dallas. So yeah, I think I think they're kind of far and away the leader on this one, man. Um, but I didn't, I picked them to finish pretty low and they're, you know, comfortably going to qualify for the playoffs, it looks like. Yeah, I think Orlando City, for me, was the clear answer. I agree. I mean, I I, I joked that they were going to be in the MLS's back final. It came to fruition. I took credit for it, but obviously I was saying it in a joking fashion. You're taking a lot of credit this show. Yeah, I know. I, I But I, I, as I was saying, I, I took credit for it, even though I was joking the whole time. And the reason – and I laughed at it because I thought that they were so far away from being a contender. And – Clearly, they're not, right? They're right in the mix. I thought for sure they would need a number nine. I didn't think Dom Dwyer would be dependable as a starting striker in MLS. He hasn't been. He got hurt well, again. We were right about that But part. But <laughs> they've gotten a lot of production out of Chris Mueller. Daryl DK has done well in his rookie season, um, progressed well. Uh, and Oscar Pereja has gotten a lot out of the parts that are there. And and look at look at who they've added. Like, Ayese has been superb in goal for them. Junior Urso has done well. Um, Antonio Carlos, who you mentioned earlier at center back, Pereira, obviously, who they brought in at the end of last season, has done very well. Um, I still think they'll need a striker to produce. You know, maybe it'll be one of these two signings that they've recently brought in, IS or Alvarado. Um, certainly, I think we're seeing that they are also diagnosing that they need a number nine that can be counted on to, to produce consistently. 
Um, Nani has has done well as a DP. Um, so it, for sure, it's Orlando City. Um, you know, I, I definitely discounted them earlier in the year. I I, I like Oscar Perea a lot. I've, I've liked him as a coach. I think all of us have that have watched MLS for a long time. He's been so successful, um, and he's done a phenomenal job. Um, they've built they built a, a pretty good roster, and um, you know, I'm excited to see what the roster looks like over the next few windows as they as they start diagnosing and adding some pieces here and there. Lyle agreed with you. Um, is Pereja coach of the year in your opinion? Yeah, I think he's I think he's definitely the coach of the year. I think he's the easy easy choice because the expectations around that team were were not high and they are one of the better teams in the league this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Curtin, Vanny, also worthy of consideration too. Um, but yeah, I, I think my pick would be Pereja as well. But that's a conversation I think for a future podcast, Paul. And I think with that, we can we can wrap this one up. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a safe, fun weekend. We'll be back next time on Allocation Disorder.